0: Hey there, you're listening to Past to Present, a social studies podcast by educators for you. We'll take a look at the middle school social studies standards taught in the state of Texas. Together, let's clarify some key concepts in history and think of ways to help students relate history to their everyday life. Hey Kevin, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? Doing all right, just trucking along here.
1: So, at the time of recording, what we're a week and a half from Thanksgiving break?
0: A week and a half. Tomorrow well, will be a week and a half.
1: Right, and today's election day, voting today's day?
0: Today's election day. Hopefully, so, you went out and voted.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Is that a word, voted?
0: Yeah. vote. What? Passed ins for vote.
1: Is voted. Okay. You all right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, so what are we discussing today?
0: Today we're going to be looking at the Bill of Rights.
1: This is a number of teaks, right?
0: It's so many teaks. Right. Four teaks.
1: Four teaks. That's we're not a gonna, lot. We're not going to go over each one specifically, but it's dealing with like the grievances and the de- and the Declaration of Independence, how they're addressed in the Bill of Rights. Summarizing and things like that, right?
0: Right. And then looking in at freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And as we kind of go through today, mm-hmm. well, we can take a moment to just say, hey, this is where that teak fits in how we would teach this.
1: Right. And so when we're looking at this, first of all, we've got to know what are the Bill of Rights. That's right. And so when we're talking to our kids, we want them to understand it's the the first 10 amendments of the Constitution that mm-hmm. were added almost immediately after the Constitution was ratified. And that's what got the Constitution ratified, which I think we discussed in our last podcast. We
0: did. You mentioned that the original draft had 12. I thought it was 17.
1: They submitted 12, I think. After I
0: Googled it, it was 12.
1: So you're saying I'm right? So
0: you were right. All right. I was wrong. Nice. Rarely happens. <laughs> true, Rarely true.
1: Happens. And I, I will say you've covered up for me on incorrect information on this podcast before. So
0: You know what? It happens to the best of us. It
1: does. Um, and so the importance of this is it's, it's the guarantee to protect people's rights. It's the anti-federalist need to make sure that the national government isn't too powerful. Right. And as we said, the Anti-Federalists were correct.
0: I mean, I think they were. I mean, no, the history, history won't know if they were correct or right or wrong, but I think it's pretty evident that they were.
1: Well, with their fear of, they felt like if it wasn't written down, then mm-hmm. there was not going to be any protection. Right. And I think we've seen that. Well,
0: definitely, like John Adams, I mean, I'm getting ahead already, but John Adams, second president, passes the Alien and Sedition Acts, and that already violates constitutionally the First Amendment of freedom of speech. So... We're already into the second president, and it's already being violated and tested. So,
1: well, and I think when we're looking at this, the the good thing about this is there's a lot of room for interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of leads to having really great discussions with your kids yeah. and twisting them in knots and getting them all bent out of shape and uh, making them angry. Which,
0: well, and and the thing that's fun about this that I like to talk to kids about is. They're very broad, like you said. They're Mm -hmm. open to interpretation. And so as history presents itself, as history goes, we're going to go in and slowly narrow them down Mm -hmm. as a society. And we can change those. They're flexible, right? So if society changes, we can change our opinion on something. Um, And we've seen that that happen. But that's why case study is going to be super important in this unit is so that you can teach the kids, like, this is a framework really – for what the basic rights are, and we're going to go in and refine those as a nation as we go forward with ourselves.
1: Which kind of goes to, you know, you brought up the essential question of how does a government reflect the value of its people? Which is over time, how does the value of the people twist the bill? Yeah. Not a twist is not the right no, word. No, but it changes. It, the it. Bill yeah, of rights. Yeah, interprets
0: it. Absolutely, because we'll we'll get into this. But you know, our society today is very different than it was in the early. 1800s late 1700s and our needs are different but the bill of rights is still flexible and and it still meets the needs of the people Mm -hmm. um so that is kind of the essential question i came up with for this unit i don't know if that's what you want to use but um it's just the idea of how does our government reflect our values
1: right so when we're looking at the bill of rights you kind of categorize it into four right
0: yeah so i i Tell my kids that one through three are your basic rights. Okay. So like freedom of speech, your rights as, as a as a person, um, your freedoms of expression, and your rights to yourself. And then four through eight are your rights when you've been accused of a crime. Okay. So that's what's cool about the Bill of Rights is even if you're a criminal in this country, you still have rights. Right. And then nine is, in case we missed anything. <laughs> And 10 is the states will decide.
1: Yeah. Well, then we'll talk about that one being Texas and everything.
0: Definitely. But that's kind of how I break it up for the kids. And I have this wheel that I put up as an anchor chart and I tell them like one through three, your basic rights, four through eight, four through eight is really what they need to remember as the rights of the accused. Right. And then nine is in case we missed anything. And 10 is the, the states will decide.
1: So, what are some uh, resources you use when teaching the Bill of Rights? Because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's
0: so much cool stuff. I mean, I just pulled up three today in, okay. when I was preparing for this podcast, and um, they're really great. So, the first one that's really awesome is the Interactive Constitution from the National Constitution Center. And shout out, they do have a podcast as well, okay. and it's really cool. It's like weekly constitutional debate, and they present two sides of a point of view. So that's pretty cool too. But they have a constitution online and you can click on a specific right or a specific amendment and then it will break down and they have a constitutional scholar write an essay over that issue and how it's related to today.
1: So uh, can kids read that?
0: It is pretty easy to read. It's written at a pretty easy level. They may have to like dig through it. And I definitely would like snip pieces of what I want them to read. I I don't think they need to read all of it. Not all of it's relevant. Um... But it's pretty cool. Like I said, I would mostly use excerpts. And I might use that as like a – just something to get them thinking. Maybe a warm-up and have them respond to it or use it as a pre-discussion reading or whatever it might be. Okay. So that one's pretty cool. The other one that's really awesome is the Oye Project. And it's just www.oyez.com.
1: O-Y-E-Z.
0: O-Y-E-Z, I think. Isn't that how you spell Oye? No, I was just making sure because – Oye – yeah, it's hard. Yes. I just I went to a different level right now. Are you okay there? there? I'm going to cut that out. Anyway, <laughs> um the OEA project is all about the Supreme Court. Okay. It's amazing. This this website. It's basically an online database of Supreme Court landmark decision cases.
1: All right. So are they are they digitized or are they like pictures of the original documents?
0: So it depends okay. on how far you're going back. But basically each case has like a clickable file online. Right. Okay. It's like you go to the each case's page. And then it has like the decision. It shows you down at the bottom like a visual of the justices that voted and how they voted. Okay. It's really cool. And then um, what's really unique is that it has the actual oral arguments recorded. Okay. So it has the audio files if it's a more relevant or more not relevant, recent right. Supreme Court case. So me being the nerd that I am, I like to go on there and find a court case that interests me, and I like to listen to them. So anyway, that is the OEA project. It's pretty cool.
1: So and we don't do a whole lot of audio in early American history, no. which is unfortunate. Um, I know it, it works a lot better with the obviously the second half of U.S. history, um, but it would be interesting to pull anything like that and use that because mm-hmm. the kids are not used to doing that. Correct as a
0: source, right? And it's, I mean, it's a little dry because it's a Supreme Court oral argument. Like, it's the original. that's just the straight-up recording. So it's not, like, the most interesting thing for some people. But, um, but for nerds like but us, for, it's cool. Yeah.
1: I would tell you, if, if you're ever looking just for a great audio recording, uh, they have uh, LBJ's White House recordings. Mm-hmm. And they're quite colorful. And he's not the most... Uh, tactful human Why being you ever.
0: Record yourself in the White House? Well, th-
1: well, ask Nixon that, right? Yeah. Um, well. But anyway, there's there's an instance where uh, LBJ orders pants from uh, Haggers and it's it's, <laughs> it's actually really awesome.
0: Sorry. I have not we heard, we digress. I've never heard that. That's really funny.
1: <laughs> it's really like you can search it and it is it's, it's really good. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No,
0: that's okay. The other um, site that I found that's really cool is the Judicial Learning Center. Okay. And this site is going to mostly focus on just a few of the um, Bill of Rights. It's not going to go through all of them, but it does have, like, the Supreme Court cases broken down, and it's got, like, a little summary, and then it has the um, point of view, and then it has, like, The justice's dissent. And it even gives you a really relevant quote from this dissent or from the argument, the oral argument, and then it will show the dissent. Um, And so that's a really great project as well. I'll link the show notes in or I'll link the the show notes that we type up in and then that will give – the listeners any of the links
1: so we're looking at teaching the bill of rights um how many days do you normally spend on this because as many I mean,
0: as i possibly can <laughs>
1: right so the
0: whole first semester
1: right so when i was not as used <laughs> to following the scope and sequence as uh, i am now the what bill. Does that of, mean I, well i'm sorry the curriculum timeline as some people would say i would spend as much time as possible on the bill of rights as
0: much time as possible and i condense it down to like a week in two days which breaks my heart sadly
1: You could teach. I mean, there's whole courses on this for. I yeah
0: yeah. Two years, I could do the Bill of Rights. Like we could do just the First Amendment in one semester alone. Yeah, I don't think the kids would go for that. Oh, they would. Don't you worry. I would make it super fun. But um, yeah. So five days, seven days, five a week. What am I saying? I don't know. A week and two days. Okay. So seven school days is what I spend on this. Um, and this unit is. A blast! The kids love it, and, and if you are listening and you want any of my resources, feel free to give me a shout out on Twitter, and I'm happy to send you anything that we talk about.
1: What is your uh, Twitter handle?
0: At Lindsay M. Stevens. That's Lindsay with an E Y. Or right, a, how spell it.
1: Past to present pod. Yeah. There's another one that is for the site. Yeah. Um, so
0: if you if you want anything that we talk about today, you're like, oh, that sounds fun. Um, I can even send you pictures of kids doing it to show you what it looks like, but.
1: So, you use the 5E model more than most other teachers? Maybe. Maybe? I
0: mean, I think so. I use it regularly.
1: I would say you're, you're probably...
0: 90% of my lessons are fi- are in a 5E model.
1: Which we could do a whole...
0: An entire... Pro-
1: like a whole professional development on it or something? Yeah. Yeah, maybe? Sure. Maybe?
0: <laughs> um,
1: so, you start off with the Engage. And so, what does that mean for you with your kids and looking at the Bill of Rights?
0: So... I'm trying to capture their interest. It's not difficult to do with the Bill of Rights, to be honest. They're right. naturally intrigued by it um, just because all teenagers feel oppressed, which is ridiculous. But Right. Um, we, so a couple years ago at TCSS, mm-hmm. I went to this training called Teaching with Toys. Right. And they had this activity, and it was actually a high school level activity where they did um, amendments with toys in a brown paper bag. And basically what the kids do is – You have all these different toys, and they pull them out of the bag one at a time. You have a brown paper bag, so Mm -hmm. they can't see in it. They reach in, they pull out a toy, and then they have to decide what amendment that applies to. Well, I did the same. I took the same idea, but I just did it to the Bill of Rights instead of all 27 amendments. Right. So the kids get a graphic organizer, and I think I have like 10 toys in there, Um, a bunch of different stuff. A little squirt gun, Mm -hmm. you got to get that approved by your principal, by the way. I mean, I did since yeah. because and then um, like a pen, a gel pen is in there, um, an eraser that's in the shape of money.
1: Well, and, and basically, the whole purpose of this is to, for them to do what?
0: Oh, maybe I should have started with that. No, sorry. Right. So what they do is they pull, they take turns. So in a group of four or two or whatever you want to do, they pull out a toy mm-hmm. and they look at it with their partner. And they have there beside them the graphic organ- a graphic organizer with the primary source language of the Bill of Rights. Okay. And they have to figure out what amendment that applies to, that toy is supposed to represent. Right. And I have not taught them any of this. They don't know any of it. I haven't taught them the vocabulary. They are just reading the primary source and trying to figure it out. It's amazing what they come up with. Like, I mean, in my mind, I have what the toy should be mm-hmm. already decided. Like, oh, this is the Second Amendment or whatever. But they come up with some pretty interesting stuff.
1: Well, and it's it's interesting because it doesn't just have to be toys. You could do it with emojis. You could do it with mm-hmm. – I've seen teachers do this with just random idea. things from around their room. Yeah. And have the kids make connections. Yeah. And, the thing I like about it is that brown paper bag. And so when they yeah. walk into class.
0: They don't know what's in they it. They can't see what's it's in it. It's a mystery.
1: It. And so you've got them hooked there. And I think the the uh, the suspense and the novelty of something like yeah. that automatically changes things. And we know novelty really helps improve <laughs> yeah. learning. So, uh,
0: Well, and I don't tell them what's in the bag. I'm not like, this is a bag of toys. Right. I'm like, reach in there. See what you get. Yeah, and now I, I always tell them, "I like, don't pee. Just stick your hand in there." They're, they're like, "Is it gonna bite?" <laughs> I'm like, "That thing's <laughs> gonna bite you. It's not a little puppy in a bag." Okay.
1: So, do you ever use things? So, I know some teachers would go and try to find things specific to each amendment, but it doesn't have to necessarily be. It can be vague, right? It doesn't. Yeah,
0: I mean, I try to be specific to the amendment just because this is their first time to. Okay. Do something with it. I know that when I was at Seven Lakes last year, they had the kids create their own brown paper bag. So they brought a brown paper bag of things that they found that the kids found that represented the Bill of Rights. So you could do it that way. Huh. And then they played each other's games and tried to figure it out. Oh, so that's okay. a really cool way. They did it more as like at the end of the unit instead of as an engage. But I thought that that was a really unique twist on it. Um and then you don't you as a teacher don't have to buy anything. The kids just bring it. But like one thing I put in there one year was a birthday candle. Okay. Because uh, when I did it, they had matches, right? But I was like, you can't use matches and you can't bring matches to school. So they had it's a birthday It's not like our kids candle. would know how to use a match anyway. I know, they look at a box like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they had a birthday candle and I put it in there for cruel and unusual punishment because you would be burned at the stake. Well, they don't know what being burned at the stake yeah. is. So they would sit there and try and figure this candle out and they'd come up with the most random stuff. But um,
1: Well, it doesn't matter if it matches to what your expectation is. Right. It's what their explanation is, it's right? If they're
0: thinking critically about right? it. Right. Definitely. And some of them will come up with a lot of different stuff. Like, I put a gel pen in there, but some kids will say that that's the Ninth Amendment because it's you have more rights than are listed. And some kids will say it's the First Amendment. And I'm like, well, it can be both. So just write both.
1: Explain. Very yeah. good. And so, um, and then you move into your explore phase. And this is where I think... You and I are very similar on case studies are great mm-hmm. because kids love to argue about things or talk about things that they seem to think are fair or unfair. And we'll mm-hmm. talk more about that, I think, as we get into the more the individual amendments in a, in a minute.
0: So with this one, I, I don't know if I jump to case study just because I like to do case study as my elaborate, but you can do it as you explore. Okay, so It's up to whatever you want to do. I like the idea of doing a scenario and then them matching it.
1: Okay, so explain.
0: So, the in the bag activity, you know, they're taking something abstract and matching it. Now, I want to see if they can actually take a real scenario okay. something that's actually happened in life and can apply the correct amendment to it and so, explain why. So,
1: there we're, we're wanting them to be more specific and right. actually have a mm-hmm. um, match there. Yeah,
0: but okay. I think my team this year for the Explorer is going to be doing bingo. Okay. So, like Bill of Rights bingo. So, every kid comes in, they get a board or they make a board. And then we give a scenario, and they have to use their graphic organizer, and then we're going to play bingo with it to try and see what they do with that. should be interesting.
1: I like that. Um, Then you move into your explain. This is kind of your direct teach portion.
0: Yeah. I just will refuse to not lecture about this. Like, I just love talking about it. And Mm -hmm. the kids, you know, I don't do lecture unless I know my kids are going to be engaged. And the kids just eat this lecture up. Right. They, like take a sip of every word you are saying. And they love, and they ask so many questions. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And it's just super engaging. I don't have one single kid that puts their head down. They're all actively taking notes. We do a foldable with it. Mm -hmm. So it's about two days if I do it really, and actually get their questions. But we do, like, turn in talks in there and kind of break it up. and
1: Make it interactive. Mm-hmm. So do you ever – this is one of the things I know teachers get concerned about with teaching the Bill of Rights. Do your kids ever come up with something that is uh, a little touchy or makes you uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Definitely. And how do you handle that? I just
0: hit it – I mean, I hit it straight on. Like, I don't beat beat around the bush, so to speak. But I go straight for it, and I just am like, yeah, let's talk about it. You know? Right. I mean, unless they're – It just depends on the situation, obviously. But most of my kids, I tell them, like, hey, if you want to talk about adult things that are real and that are serious, adult-level issues, you know, then we have to handle that appropriately. We have to
1: handle it, like, well, hopefully better better than adults sometimes. Better than adults,
0: (laughs) right, because we're in this environment and, um, I mean, like, give me an example of what you're talking about.
1: So, um, let's say we're going to talk about the Second Amendment. You know, and that's definitely a kind of a – almost a third rail type of discussion mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm comfortable having, but some teachers are not comfortable having that discussion. And so
0: – I think it's the level of comfortability of the teacher, but it's it makes me sad to think that a teacher wouldn't be comfortable to discuss that because then it's depriving the kids of an opportunity. But if you're not comfortable, you definitely don't want to go down that road, I don't think.
1: Well, I think you always approach it from the standpoint of what the Constitution says – some of the nuances that go on with that. And then also, let the kids do most of yeah. the talking. And make sure you're allowing all voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the less talking in this for the teacher when it is an uncomfortable thing, but keeping kids on track is a way to uh, to focus, you know, keep the kids focused in their yeah. conversation.
0: Well, I never tell my opinion on these things. Right. I just tell them What's happened, like the history of it? Right. So I'm not going to stand and say this is my opinion on gun control. Right. But I'm just going to say, like, you know, this is what it says, and the the Second Amendment is a hot mess. Right. If we're being honest, as far as like, what does it actually or say? The way it's and how do we? Yeah, it's it's the most ridiculously written sentence in history, arguably.
1: Well, probably in 2018. Well, we'll get to that later on.
0: Yeah, but anyway, so the the kids, I just give them the truth. I don't put my opinion on it. I don't tell them what I think. And I encourage them to decide for themselves. But I also remind them that the reason that they have that decision or that, that, that they have that conclusion that they have today Mm -hmm. is because of their experiences. Right. And as you grow up, your experiences are going to change. Absolutely. And other people have different experiences that you haven't ever, you know, seen. And so that's why you have to understand is that you know, the person sitting across from you might be pro-gun and the person sitting next to you might be anti-gun and that's because they have two different life experiences. Right. And what we need to do is understand why we have those point of views and respect the fact that the Constitution gives us the right to have different points of views. Absolutely. And discuss those and debate those. Well,
1: and that's maybe where you've got to make sure you've set up a class culture of listening and how to respond to each other and how to have those conversations. Yes.
0: And to be honest with you, um right now with my classes, that's a real struggle. Right. Cause in the past I've always encouraged kids to talk and discuss, but our political climate's more divided right now than ever before. So like I encouraged my kids to go and listen to the Senate debates that went on between um O'Rourke and Cruz. And ever since then, I mean, I'm glad that they listened to it. But ever since then, they're just heated. Like, they are just angry. And today we were talking about the Federalist Anti-Federalists. And this one class just goes back to, like, dogging each other about it. And I'm like, no, we're not even talking about that right now. Yeah. You know? They're just so passionate about it. So I am going to have to be very careful about how I approach it. Because this group is very um, non-bipartisan, you know? They're very politically
1: Correct. So, um So you're going to do what? You're going to do... Interactive lecture, you're going to do, yeah. I see, gallery walks or something? I think
0: you could do a gallery walk and have them like post-it note questions and then come whole group and do some discussions mm-hmm. or you know, give the kids the post-it notes and have them answer them themselves. And,
1: well, this is where you're going to talk about the language and or you're going to talk about each um, amendment, right? Yeah,
0: like I go through and I tell them what every amendment protects and doesn't protect. And um, I give examples, and I really kind of talk them through it.
1: So more of just uh, the the basics of it. So then when you hit your elaborate, as you said, you do case study there. So that's going to be where now we're going to get into the the difficulty of the Bill of Rights.
0: Now we're going to apply it. Right. So now I'm going to give you a scenario. You're going to decide as you're going to be a team of lawyers, Mm -hmm. and you're going to be defending your client. So I I give them a client, and I give them the case overview. I mean, they don't have like all the, you know, evidence and all that, but they have the overview of the case and they have to decide what amendment Mm -hmm. is this apply? Does this apply to? Right. What has my client done wrong or right or whatever? What am I trying to protect? And what is my argument going to be to defend my client? And what is my text evidence from the bill of rights that I'm going to use in my oral argument to defend my client? And then we just, I give them time in class to think about that, and then we just open debate. And it is so fun, man. I just tell them that they're going to get to be lawyers, and they get so excited. I have a lot of kids that want to be lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really fun activity.
1: What do you do for your kids that maybe don't like to talk as much in class? Do they just have to kind of grit through it? And, and
0: Most of my kids like to talk. <laughs> 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 to be honest, um, I have a few that don't like to talk. I, there's always a writing for them to do so they can write. Um, and then I usually do like a video reflection. So I'll have them pick the case that they found to be most interesting okay. and debrief and talk about what they would have done as the lawyer and kind of talk me through it. And I have them post that on Canvas. That's our okay. online platform that we use. Um, so I've been doing that a lot this year when we have discussions in class to give them a online discussion to follow up with that just so that the you know I'm not sitting here grading everything that everybody says and then the kids that don't feel comfortable talking still have that platform okay what do you think what would you do
1: I like that I mean that's hard when those kids that don't like to talk um but they also need that skill right so I don't know what the balance is and um I think it sounds like using um the video is the best way to kind of get them to be Mm -hmm. comfortable with that and then finding ways to incorporate their discussion so maybe partnering them up with the right kid and they can do the research portion.
0: You know and it might be smart for me this year to flip it like have them do the video reflection beforehand Mm -hmm. so that they've at least argued through the video at least one of the cases so that when they come to class maybe they feel more comfortable about presenting their oral argument since they've already tried it once.
1: That's interesting. I like that. You could almost use, what is it, Flipgrid? Yeah. If you're to looking, Have like
0: an online discussion.
1: You could almost save time that way yeah. if you're looking to be uh, more, to get through more things, I think.
0: I think the key for that activity is having them watch videos of oral arguments by lawyers. So I usually will give them a few, like lighthearted cases of mm-hmm. what, maybe even a how-to video of how to give an oral argument as a lawyer so that they kind of have a little bit of training, so to speak. That's a good idea. Because otherwise they're just flying by the seat of their pants and they don't know what a lawyer does or how to present an oral argument. And
1: they think all a lawyer does is argue and that's not quite what, it's a little bit more involved than that, right? Exactly, exactly. So what is your evaluate portion? This is where you kind of wrap up your activity.
0: Oh, so I do one more elaborate before that. That's my free speech discussion that I do. It's a Padilla seminar, super fun, over hate speech. Okay. It gets dicey. I like to challenge them to really think, and I basically just put up on the board, let's discuss whether or not hate speech should be legal or illegal.
1: So it's very relevant to today's... It's
0: very relevant to right? these kids. Like, all of them have experienced hate speech.
1: Well, it's everywhere, and, and it's online. I mean... Yeah. Read the comments of any...
0: YouTube video. Of anything really any unfortunate, right?
1: That's... <laughs> never actually. Don't actually ever read those comments, um, but... They're they're used to saying that. Yeah,
0: and that's a really good one. You know, we go down the the rabbit trail of, well, what constitutes hate speech? And we use – there are specific court cases that I have them cite. One of them is very um, controversial. It's one out of Yale um, where there was basically Nazi symbols placed around a dorm room um, and put on doors for people. And that was justified as threatening because they actually went and placed it on the door. Okay. Like, if you're hanging it on your door, the Supreme Court did not hold that up as hate speech. You're allowed to do that in your room. Like, you can have the swastika tattooed on you. That's not illegal. But you can't take... It. Like, I can't go out... I, nobody can go out and into a parking lot and put Nazi swastikas on all these cars, you know, like on their dashboard. That would be illegal because that is then threatening. Right. So it's just an interesting case for the kids to read and they get really riled up. They all love talking about world war two. Love it. Yeah. Um, and so it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting discussion for kids to have. And we talk about what constitutes hate speech and the kids will eventually get to the fact that if we're going to outlaw hate speech, well then that means we can outlaw, um, things like the word shut up. Like, where does it stop, you see? And so that's a really fun discussion.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. I like it
0: For the elaborate, I just do, like, a graphic organizer where they have the Bill of Rights or the grievances of the Constitution of the Declaration of Independence, and mm-hmm. they have to match what principle and what Bill of Rights addressed that.
1: So we're going back to that old, the, the, the previous material. Right. And seeing you how, how to we're connecting that, in. right? Mm-hmm. I wonder—is there any way to tie that in back to the seven principles too? I don't really I mean, it's all
0: individual rights. I mean, the grievances. No, the grievances are principles too. Oh
1: yeah. Like the
0: fact that he suspended our legislatures. You know, that's checks and balances and separation of powers. Um, there are other ones. Limited in there. government. things.
1: There yeah. you go. I like mm-hmm. that. So again, you can bring back even that material if you're looking to extend it just a little further.
0: And the fun challenge that I give to kids is for them to guess which principle covers all of it, which is limited government. Right. So.
1: Which I should have from 6th grade.
0: Definitely. Anything you want to add to that?
1: No, it was good. So in this section, we're going to go over the individual amendments and things that you could do with the lesson or yeah. whatnot to kind of get kids interested, right? Sure. So you took the First Amendment. Um, okay. Which is the one that probably people are most familiar with. Mm-hmm. So.
0: So I'll just read the. Text of it first. All right. Start us off. Nothing like reading the actual Constitution on your podcast. All right. (laughs) So the uh, amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances.
1: So this is one that's almost specifically named in the teeks. Yeah. Kids need to know why we have this one. Right. Um,
0: Where it stems from.
1: Well, it stems from, what is the benefit of it, right? right? And that's the big thing with, you know, the compromises and the discussion and free free speech. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I also like, I mean, I, I, there's a lot to go over, but one thing that really sticks out to me is of the people to peaceably assemble. Right. And we talk about that. Like, you don't get the right to just assemble and revolt and riot. Okay. You have to, if you're assembling peaceably, you know, because a lot of kids are like, well, I don't understand. When there's a riot, how come they get in trouble? Like, that's a protest. You know, they're protesting. And I said, well, it has to be peaceable, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the things that I talk with kids about. But um, these are considered to be the freedoms of expression. Right. And um, I teach them using hand signals. So, so this is take, how
1: kids mem- remember them, right? This is how they memorize them. Mnemonics?
0: Yes. So, you take your pointer finger and you make a number one with your hand. And you point up and you say freedom of religion, freedom of the, of speech, and you take your pointer finger to your mouth. It's kind of hard to see right now, but I'm doing it. I can see you doing it. I, I know, but they can't. Not right. Okay. Freedom of the press and you are going to like press a button. I know it doesn't really translate to... No, but it works. So, freedom of the press... Freedom to petition, and you're going to pretend like you're signing a document, and then freedom to assemble, and then you curl your pointer finger like you're calling someone towards you. Okay. So I have the kids do that over and over again. Um, so
1: do they do that when they're taking tests?
0: Yeah, they will. Yeah. I don't care.
1: No, but it's like you know that it works when yeah. they're using it. Yeah,
0: they're using it. We practice it a lot. Um, I know some teachers call it RAPs, R A P P S, mm-hmm. for the kids to help them remember that. I've never done that before. Okay. But, um, It is helpful.
1: So that's something we could do for like a designated supports for for students.
0: Definitely. And you could use it as an anchor chart, like create an anchor chart for it. Right. Um, And then, like I said, I do a free speech debate and I focused on hate speech and I pull in court cases. That's just something that interests me. So that's why I have the kids discuss it. But you could do a lot of different things.
1: So I I think this is one of my favorites because we did case studies and Mm. one was over Texas v. Johnson the flag-burning case. Is that protected speech? Mm -hmm. And then we did one over the uh, city of Skokie, Illinois versus the neo-Nazi party, which shockingly, when I did that, it wasn't as, I mean, it's an an early 1980s uh, case. Um, I don't know how I would approach that now, considering all the things that have happened with the uh, Charlottesville stuff. Uh, I I would still, I might choose a different case, but it was just interesting to see how that would work. Um, I've also thought about like my kids would have a very short reading and then we'd have four questions. I always let them, and I wanted them to talk with their parents about it. Um, and the kids would walk That's out of my... That's interesting. Right.
0: I like that idea. It
1: worked with, it worked with the, the community that I was teaching mm-hmm. in. But I also think with the city of Skokie, it was about the neo-Nazis wanting to march through um, the city of Skokie. Skokie had a very high mm-hmm. Jewish population. Many of, their, uh, many of their Jewish population either had parents or grandparents who had survived the Holocaust. And I would be interested – I think now I might show a part of, like, the march across the, uh, the bridge in uh, Selma. Mm-hmm. And to see, like, should we allow that? You know, kind of get them mm-hmm. to see why mm-hmm. we protect the neo-Nazis, unfortunately, um, as opposed to just shut them down immediately. Right.
0: That you're not – this is the thing that they focus on, is that you're protecting the neo-Nazis, but you're really not.
1: All right. You're, protect- you're
0: protecting the right to freedom of speech. And that's a very precious thing, and you cannot let go of it, and that's the thing. Like, that's the problem with having free speech is that some speech is offensive, mm-hmm. and that's just the reality of it. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but that's the thing that the kids are like, well, you're protecting them, but really what you're protecting is freedom of speech, and as a byproduct of that. They have that right. Racist speech is protected, and that's, that's a bummer, and that's really – not a bummer, but, you know, it's really – A negative thing in our society, but at what cost, you know?
1: Well, and I think that's, if you can get them to see why these things are being protected. Yeah. And why sometimes we're protecting the worst of our society, there's reasons. And so. um,
0: Well, and I like to ask them the question of like, well, let's say that we decide not to protect it. Let's say we get rid of that and you can't do it if you can't have racist speech. Does that get rid of it? Does that get rid of racism? Right. Does that solve the problem that you're trying to solve? And so that's, I don't answer that for them. It's just an interesting question to me is like, let's say that you did go down that road. Mm-hmm. Does it fix the problem or does it just hide it?
1: Right. So I think uh, those are things that they liked. And again, they, they get fired up about that.
0: Yeah. I don't go down that road. I don't know if I would go down that huh? road just because it's a little bit much. I like that poor case, but I do Tinker versus Des Moines.
1: All right. Tinker's a big one.
0: so like boring base level. I'm so sorry, Tinker. I've actually met Mary Beth Tinker. She, I have a signed armband. Uh-huh. She was at LRE a couple years ago. Right. It was amazing. I need to frame it. And I have a picture with her. So I show that to the kids, and I show them the armband. But I like to pick cases that have to do with students, student rights. Right. Because um, they are very fired up about that as well. and well that's well. the
1: whole thing is relevancy has to take place in the court case. Like They have to see that it ties them. There's a lot of student cases that work. Um, Tinker being an especially good one.
0: Well, and then I talk about, okay, so two years ago when I was teaching this, I said, let's say that, you know, let's take it away from being an armband. For those of you that don't know the Tinker case, it's the students were wearing an armband to protest the war. Vietnam War. War. Yeah. And um, they got suspended. And as a result, they took their case all the way up to the Supreme Court. They did win. But um, my question then to the kids to make it more relevant is, what if, you know, the year that we did this was the election year of Trump and Hillary? So what if a kid comes to school wearing a Make America Great Great Again shirt? That might offend certain people, and it may not, but or do they have the right to wear that shirt? Right. And so that's a that's a question that you want to pose. And the same thing with wear, wearing a Clinton shirt, right? So um, it's just kind of an interesting case to bring up to the kids.
1: Absolutely. Anything else on this one? No. Uh, let's move on to a less controversial okay. one, like yeah. the Second Amendment. <laughs> um, so the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so I will say that it is awkwardly written for our time.
0: Yeah, you got to read the commas.
1: Well, and the commas have a big... have a.
0: Do it again with the commas.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, a, a well-regulated militia, comma being necessary to the security of a free state comma and the right of the people to keep and bear arms comma shall not be infringed so there's a lot of grammatical it's just a mess it's a,
0: it's,
1: it's hard any. for the kids to read and it, you know those commas change the whole dynamic of the the what it means and so
0: commas are important
1: the thing the way i approached this one was um, because it is controversial is a couple of ways. One, let's look at the writing and what does that mean? What does it mean to you as, as today? And does our interpretation change? Should it change? Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to that values of the society. But really the thing that I like to do is, you know, compare it to the preamble. Does it match part of the preamble, you know? And does it um, does the change in technology matter?
0: Yeah, that's the big one for me.
1: And I think that's that's the key for kids, and, and they have to decide what's the the purpose of the amendment. And you, you can try to let them see what that is, but also, does the change of technology change how we should interpret it? Yeah. Um, and that's that's really hard to get them to do and look at because. it's such a big time period kind of a little bit abstract for them I think
0: yeah I I don't know like this one is hard for me I really don't talk that much in detail about it but you know things have changed a lot in the political right world today and we literally last week did the run fight run hide fight video and so it's like This is very prevalent to kids. This relates directly to kids. They're all dealing with this and experiencing it in their own ways. And so I think that that question of does the change in technology matter is something that they definitely need to think about.
1: Well, and I think you can do that with all of the, the Bill of Rights. Because a change in technology has done a lot of things. Maybe not, you know, 9 and 10, but definitely when you're looking at...
0: Well, 9 and 10, yeah, because of privacy, too. Like your cell phones and... 9 9 covers everything. So, like, all the new technology that they didn't have before is covered by 9.
1: Well, and if you're looking... Like I said, there's so much that changes that they just have to recognize is, do we change our interpretation of all the amendments because the technology Mm -hmm. changes? Or Mm -hmm. do we just... Do it occasionally or does it st- is it still relevant to today? Right. And, again, you, you can't proselytize. You cannot share your opinion and, hey, you have to believe this. But yeah. that is not the way to approach this one. Right. Um, and I don't
0: know if having a discussion about this is really the best route. I might just have them do a writing reflection. Maybe. Give them some different primary sources to look at or some different situations or have them recall on something that they have heard in the news bring their own article and then write about that in a reflection just because I feel like this is such a charged mm-hmm. I don't know why I think this is more charged than freedom of speech, but.
1: Well, I think it's, it's different people see it differently. Yeah, and I think um, people are, are fired up and energized more than ever for better or worse. Yeah. And so I think, um, and you know, in the second one, this is something you can talk about later on too, when you're talking about the black codes and, one of the first things we do is we disarm the the freed slaves. Mm. Um, they're a little easier to control when they're, you're not worried about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, don't be afraid of this one, but just make sure it's about the kids and what the kids are saying. Yeah. And I, think, I think with anything, right? Mm-hmm. All I
0: right. Agree. Um, so, Third Amendment. No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law.
1: They get this one, right?
0: They do. One thing that we kind of talk about is the fact that we can quarter soldiers if it's prescribed by law.
1: During times of war.
0: Correct. So I think that that's something that they're like, what? We can? Right. I'm like, no. but no." It doesn't happen. It's very unlikely that that's going to happen, but it's just kind of an interesting one. And I always tell them, too, like, you don't have to worry about this amendment because it's an amendment.
1: Right. And I think also that this is the idea of the Army now is much different than back then. Yeah. There was no standing Army. So I think – and I don't spend too much time on this one because they automatically tie it back to the Declaration of Independence. They tie it back to the Quartering Act. They kind of got it. Yep. And it's just not that interesting because – No. I can't think of it happening. I
0: don't know of a... I wonder if there's a single case law that has to do with this amendment. I'd be interested to Maybe
1: the Civil War? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know.
0: I don't... I wouldn't imagine, but...
1: I'd rather spend time on other amendments. I agree. So, the next one's the Fourth Amendment. Um, Ooh, this is
0: a good one. (laughs) I love this one.
1: This is one where Lindsay would say, this is the most important one. Absolutely. Then we'd move on to the fifth one, and she'd say, this was the most important one. (laughs) So... um, Fourth Amendment, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And so the kids see this a lot in pop culture if they watch mm-hmm. any kind of law and order cops. Or, cops they, they've seen this. Yep. Um, if we're looking for relevant cases, the, the most Appropriate one is New Jersey versus TLO. Okay,
0: talk to me about this one.
1: So basically, this young lady was um, I, was she caught smoking in the bathroom or something along those lines at school. I think at school mm-hmm. and
0: well, no, she wasn't caught smoking, but they suspected. Thought that, yeah, she the they smell she on her correct,
1: and so then they basically searched her purse yep. and found other items that were illegal, and she sued saying they had in, invaded her right to right, privacy because
0: they did not have a warrant.
1: Correct. And, and she's at
0: school, mind you. She's a minor.
1: Right. And so it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and I believe she lost, right? She did lose. I, I don't think I've ever discussed the outcome. She I just did asked the lose. kids.
0: So the court decided that a school is a unique place. And because you are required to be at school it is of extreme importance that the school can ensure safety at all times. Right. And so this court, the Supreme Court decided with the school. So if a school person like a employee of a district is searching someone, they have to have a reasonable suspicion. Right. That's what it says in the um, decision. And then but if a campus police officer is going to search you, then it they they have to have a warrant.
1: Oh, it changes. Correct. Or reasonable suspicion.
0: No. They yes. have to have a warrant. Correct. I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna go back and double read All right. it, triple just... read it. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Like a cop still has to have because a cop is takes an oath and they have to still be accountable to the Constitution. They are an actual police officer, so they have to go through and find a warrant. But if it's a principal and it's considered to be immediate danger and if there's reasonable suspicion, then a principal can search your stuff.
1: Okay. I, I've never discussed the outcomes because I've just had the kids.
0: I always tell get, them
1: get fired up over the it, the initial yes. part of it,
0: and I tell them anything you bring on campus is technically school property. If you no. bring it on campus, it, I tell them I tell them for me too. Yeah. If I bring something on campus, including my vehicle, it is school property, right. and my principal can search my stuff at any time with almost no cause.
1: So this is one that gets them fired up. Yes, they love talking about this. They love arguing about this, and of course, they think it's unfair because well you're right but I but you know what I've not taught this one in the last four years and I wonder if the change in you know the issues with Florida and Santa yeah, Fe yeah, yeah. changes how kids perceive, perceive this it. one
0: yeah I don't know'll we'll be I'll be interested to see but I tell them too all the time like you are required to be at school If it was optional it'd be totally different right but because the state requires you to come to school then the state has an obligation to hold up your to like make sure you're safe. Because at the end of the day, we got to answer to your parents. Right. Like, if the state is forcing your parents to bring you here, then we have to do everything we possibly can to make sure that you're safe. And the courts are always going to protect, hopefully. We'll always protect that. I like that case, but there's a better one.
1: Oh, there's a better one.
0: I can't remember the name of it right now, which is really sad to me, and I'm I'm going to go back and...
1: All right, which one?
0: But it's about trash.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. What is it
0: called? It starts with a G.
1: So you're talking about once a... Private citizen puts their trash out for collection. Yes, it is now public property. Yes,
0: so basically the court case that we look at, I'll need to, I'll find the name and I'll come back and edit it back in. But the guy has drug paraphernalia in his trash can on the curb. Right, and the police come, they they suspect him of buying, selling whatever drugs, and then he they search through his trash in the middle of the night and they find drug paraphernalia. Right, and so they. Collect a warrant based on that evidence, and they search his house. That Lo and behold, he's doing what they thought he was doing, and they arrest him. Right. Well, he claims that that's fruit of the whatever tree.
1: Fruit
0: Uh, fruit from the forbidden tree. Right? Is that what it's called? uh, It's
1: not fruit from the forbidden tree, but it's, yeah, it's... uh, What's it called? Hit pause.
0: This is why we're not lawyers. Hit pause. Okay, I'm going to hit pause.
1: So it's fruit of the poisonous tree.
0: That one. Basically, illegally obtained...
1: Evidence. Evidence. Right.
0: And the court case is California versus Greenwood, nineteen eighty eight. We right. paused and Google. <laughs> so, um, anyway, this case is great. The kids get so really mad. They get so mad. You wouldn't think they get no. so mad, but they, it's just in their mind, like that's my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. And they feel like the cops are doing sneaky stuff, you know, right. and not being honest, which is not true. And so, basically, we talk about the expectation of privacy. Right. You don't have privacy if it's not if you, your stuff's not expected to be private. So then I transfer it to like, okay, if you get pulled over and you've got something that you're not supposed to have in your vehicle, and I never say you. I say if a person gets pulled over and you have some, and a person has something <laughs> they're not supposed to have in their sitting on their dashboard, like out in the window where right. it's visible. There's no expectation of privacy. It's clear. You can see straight through it. If a cop was to come up to you, you, if a cop was to come up to a person, the cop would see what's on the dashboard. Yeah, without any, without
1: invasion of privacy. There's no
0: need for a warrant. He's going to arrest you because... Or she. He or she. Most likely (laughs) he. Statistically, it's most likely he. But anyway, he's going to arrest you. Right. The person. And then, but if you have it in a locked box under your seat... There's an expectation of privacy if that's a wooden box or whatever. And then the police officer does need a warrant. Or in your trunk, then the police officer would need a warrant to search your property unless you willingly let him search your property.
1: Um, So it's funny because I was reading an article the other day and there was a a newspaper reporter up in, I think, Seattle Mm -hmm. that had the police had searched their trash. And anyway, nothing came of it. And so the, uh, the reporter for like a couple months... From the mayor and the DA, and I think the, the chief of police mm-hmm. did the same thing to their trash and then published it. And man,
0: they oh, were irate. No, that's hilarious. They were
1: irate at
0: that. Is so funny. I need that article. I have to
1: see if I can find it. You Maybe. gotta send it to me. But um, I, I don't know if you could use that with kids. But
0: I I'll figure out a way.
1: Anyway, I just thought it was a funny.
0: That's really funny. Yeah, I that's don't know. hilarious.
1: Yeah, so, anything else? Uh, the Fourth Amendment, like we said, is. The kids love this one because it, it goes back to their. They think their bedroom is their sanctum, and mm-hmm. nobody can invade that. Mm-hmm. They want freedom, and they want uh, privacy. Yeah, and and again, this is another technology one. So if you have a group of kids that are technology uh, centric, you can look at our computers protected because it knows, it says nothing specifically about computers, right? Or um, phone calls on cell phones or well, phone calls. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for something that's a little more modern day or something like that.
0: Yeah. Is that the Patriot Act?
1: Patriot Act has part yeah. of that and phone calls to people outside the country, I believe. Yeah. Very good.
0: So I think we're done. We've blabbed on for Almost an months. hour. <laughs> we get longer and longer every time with this.
1: We will work on that.
0: Yeah, seriously. I'm going to cut some stuff out. Don't worry. Okay. Um, and then next week, we'll talk about the 6th through the 10th Amendment and maybe a few principles. We feel like it we'll see maybe it'll just be
1: a short one and depending on when you hear this happy thanksgiving yeah definitely enjoy the time off we get a week
0: a week i'm so excited thanks for listening
1: yeah thanks for listening
0: Hey there! Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag #PastToPresentPod, or tweet us at, at @PastToPresentPod. That's past the number two present P O D. If you have a minute, please consider helping other educators find our show by sharing our podcast on Twitter or giving us review on iTunes or Podbean. Special thanks to all those who helped develop the content for today's episode. Audio mixing for this episode done by Lindsay Stevens and music credit to BinSound.com. All thoughts and ideas expressed in today's episode are that of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of KDISD.